I um, had the privilege of coming to know the Lord as my personal Savior at a very young age. I grew up in a Christian home, and my parents, uh, specifically I was talking with my mom in the back when I was just a child, and she uh, led me uh, uh, into a place where I was ready to receive Jesus as my personal Savior, and uh, my book of me growing up as a child records, I don't remember this, but that as soon as I accepted Christ as my Savior, I couldn't wait to tell my friends. And uh, as a matter of fact, shortly thereafter, I, uh, I, I treed my friend, he was climbing the tree, and I trapped him up there, and I shared the gospel with him, came running home and told my mom about it, whether he wanted to hear it or not, I communicated God's message to him, shouting up the tree. Shortly thereafter, one that is not recorded in my book, because I didn't want to tell my mom, I thought I'd use sports to evangelize. I went to the park and was playing basketball, and I didn't like how the other guy was playing, so I punched him, and when he was on the ground, I said, Jesus loves you, and I ran home and said, Mom, I got to tell a kid that Jesus loves him. Don't do that. Um, That does not show God's love. Um... Our, our silly attempts of communicating the message of God, sometimes we get in the way. And, and sports, at that point, was not the avenue for me to use. But later on in life, God had allowed me to make a, a ministry volleyball team, and I was actually able to go into the prison, a Lake Placid federal uh, prison, and play volleyball and share Christ uh, on the volleyball court with the inmates there. And I actually got to talk to a man named Cisco. Cisco was in prison uh, for double homicide. And he actually, you know, what you don't do if you do prison ministry, you don't go in and ask them what they're in for. That's just, uh, you don't do that. Uh, But I was sharing the gospel and how God loves you, Cisco. God gave his son for you and paid for your sins on the cross. And and Cisco looked at me and said, "He he can't pay for me. I'm in here for a double homicide. I did some horrible things. And I was able to share how, hey, look, there's a guy called the thief on the cross He's a malefactor. He was a, we, we say thief. We don't actually know what he did, but his crime was worthy of punishment of death, and he was on the cross, and Jesus forgave him when he had nothing to offer. Because it reminded us that we, we have nothing to offer Jesus Christ. We have nothing to offer God. God loved us and sent his son for us and reconciled us to himself. And this morning we're going to look at communicating his word and how we can be evangelists, how we can live the life of a witness, to communicate to the world the good news of Jesus Christ, what he's done in our lives and what he wants to do for them. And uh, this weekend we had uh, an amazing opportunity. I want to thank all of you for your prayers for the youth group that went to Dare to Share. And what, a, what an amazing time to be challenged to, um, one, reflect on who God is and what he's done. We looked at Isaiah 6 and we were challenged with the holiness, the glory of God, the fire that blinds us, that would cause us to be on our face before a holy God. And if we think back just a few weeks ago, we looked at, in our, in our sermon series, loving God, that we serve a holy, awesome, amazing God. And if we really understand who God is, we will bow ourselves before him and submit ourselves because he is an amazing God. He created us to be with him, to be in a relationship with him. And yet our sins come in and, and, and separated us from the fall in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve ate the, ate the fruit and sin came into the world and separated man from God. And our God is a holy, awesome God. And, and in Isaiah we see uh, this holy God. And we see Isaiah falling before him saying, I'm a, I'm a man of unclean lips. We saw that, that God gave a fire that purified him. He touched his lips with coal and said, you know, you're, you are clean. You've been cleaned through the, by God. That God says he wants to clean us through, the, through Jesus Christ and, and his sacrifice on the cross, his shed blood for us, his resurrection brings a power that cleanses. And, and then we, we talked a little bit about the fire that rages that as we know this love of God, that we want to live it. We want to share it because it is an amazing story. It is amazing truth. And, and uh, as we looked at this, it was exciting to talk to some of our teens. I want to encourage you to ask the teens their personal testimonies of what they've learned. But for some of them to say, this year in particular stood out to me because I internalized so much. It really challenged me at the core of who I am. It really helped me to identify sins in my life and to give them over to God and feel that freedom to share this message. And it was just a, a great time. 
last night I talked to um, a kid I'd, I'd never met before. He was from Mount Vernon area church in there, and his name was uh, Justin. And one of the things they do is they had uh, us all grab our cell phones out and, uh, and, and call somebody right there or text them. And, and somebody who doesn't know Christ and share the gospel with him. Say, I'm at this place called Dare to Share. We're look, learning about God. Can I share with you? And this guy, Devin, I mean, Justin, called his friend Devin last night or yesterday. Um, and he said, uh, he said this, is, this is his conversation. He called Devin and says, hey, Devin, do you believe in God? And, and, and Devin said, yes. Do you know you have a relationship with God? And he says, No. Would you like to know how you could have a relationship with God? And Devin said, yes. So he shared with him the gospel. And his friend accepted Christ right there on the phone. And, uh, and Justin uh, said, it was awesome. It was amazing. He said, now I want to go back to my school. He plays soccer. He's, gonna be a, he's a junior right now. He's going to go back. And he says, I want to go back to my soccer team. I want to pray with my soccer team before every game. I want to pray with the opposing team after every game, if I can gather some people. I want to live Christ. I want to share this same story that I told my friend Devin because I saw God do something amazing. And it was neat to not even know this young man and to just step across the aisle and to hug him, pray with him, and talk about what God is doing in our lives. And, um, and it was neat to see God's message. And uh, <clears throat> we'd really talked a lot about what we're talking about today, the Great Commission um, in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And if you'd, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Matthew um, 28, we're going to start there and we're going to move around a little bit this morning. Uh, but as we considered the vision of Lakeside Christian Church, I'd like to, to thank our elder brothers and our pastoral staff and just uh, the, for the coming together and really digging into the Word of God and say, what is the direction that God has for our church? What should we focus on? What should we put in the DNA of our fellowship? If we are going to do what God wants us to do, what are we going to do? And, and, and this uh, sermon series, really, and the, the vision statement we have is something that we prayed about, we, we, we talked about, we discussed, we went into the Word of God, and uh, I pray that today's sermon will keep the integrity of our sermon series. Uh, I've been challenged personally, uh, very deeply, um, in this series and I pray that you, your hearts have been blessed and challenged and that today, as we, we bring this uh, series to a close, it won't be a close of the vision. It won't be a close of what's going on, but it will yet enable us to go forward loving God, caring for peoples, and communicating his word. And before we read, why don't we uh, go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, Lord, with a humble anticipation of what you might share upon us in your word this morning. Lord, uh, the distractions of life are great. Lord, uh, sins are infiltrating our lives, our homes, our schools. Lord, uh, every day we are burdened deeply by this fallen world. Lord, uh, sometimes it becomes overwhelming to see how much sin is in my own life and, and as plagues us all around and, and to get desperate and, and wonder what's going on, Lord. And so I, I pray, Lord, that today as we look into your word, we'll be reminded of the victory we have in, in the Jesus Christ. Lord, that you will help us to put off the distractions, the busyness of work and, and, and schedules, Lord, uh, the, the busyness of sports, the busyness of life, Lord, and that we can just calm our hearts and focus on your word this morning, Lord, that we might be challenged, Lord, to live like you, to, to be a part of your cause, to see that you have mobilized us, that you've called us to do your work here, Lord, and that there is a higher purpose that we live for. There's a higher pursuit that we should seek, Lord, and oftentimes these distractions confuse that, Lord, and I pray that as we turn to your scriptures, Lord, that the, your word will be preached, not mine, Lord, not my own agenda, but Lord, that your spirit will speak through these lips, that your word will penetrate our hearts, and Lord, that we will be conformed to be more like you. I pray these things in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, Jesus, at the end of 
his time here on earth, after he resurrected from the dead, right before he ascended to heaven, called his disciples, his followers together, and says, I'm going to give you a cause to live for. You know, in the 1800s, they called this the Great Commission. It was when the first times coined it. We're, we're pretty familiar with it. Um, but we were reminded this, uh, this weekend that in the 1800s, the missions movement was just beginning to really go over all the world. And they're saying, we need a rallying cry. We need something that people can identify with. And so said, let's call this the Great Commission of Christ. And today, that word just doesn't resonate the same way with us as it did with them in the 18th century. Today, a Great Commission might be what you bring home after a nice sale at work. That's a Great Commission. Did you see that paycheck? Wow. That's fantastic. Is this what we're talking about? A great refund for doing some good work? No, this is more than that. It's a great cause. Jesus has a cause for us to live by. And today, if you're a member of Facebook, you know about causes because I get like 20 invites to a cause every day um, by different people. Join this cause, join this cause, join this cause. We want to join a cause. We want to be involved in something important. We want to identify with something that is promoting how to overcome an injustice in the world. We want to get involved in something that tells us you know, how we can restore something here or how our voice might be heard. And, uh, and this weekend, uh, with the Dare to Share, they're saying, let's look at this not as the Great Commission, but the, the cause of Christ. The cause, not a cause, but the cause. Get involved with the cause of Jesus Christ. And this is the cause to go and make disciples Make disciples, people who follow Christ and who tell others to follow Christ. And that's what we're to be involved in, is to reach out to others, to share the good news of God, the God's love, his redemptive story, the story of reconciliation and restoration, that we who are estranged to God can now become friends of God. I was reminded once, uh, again, that this is not the, the great suggestion but it's the great cause, the great uh, cause, the great commandment, and the great cause are what we call our vision. To love God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, and to love our neighbor as ourself, and to go and make disciples, teaching them all things that Christ has taught us. The cause that Jesus called his followers to is what he lived his life for. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19.10. He said, disciples, follow me. He said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If we're part of the cause of Christ, we will be reaching others for Christ. We will communicate his word because that is in the DNA of our faith. That is what God has prepared us for. Oftentimes we think um, that I just need to you know, go to church and be good and, and live my life and, and we don't really involve reaching out and telling others about that. And again, we were reminded at Dare to Share how much we must hate people to believe in a God who lives in a heaven, a holy place, and that there's a literal hell, and we're not telling people, warning them about that. And that's what Christ came for. He came to warn people, you need to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As followers of Christ, we are his disciples. And he says this, go and make disciples. Literally, it's saying, as you are going, make disciples. Teach them. <clears throat> so we need to see that in the passage that we have today, that we need to go wherever we're going, as we are going, we need to be involved in the great cause of Christ. And part of that that we need to communicate is the reconciliation of God to man. The work that he did, that he called us to be with. And if uh, you turn to, with me to 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, as you're turning there, we ask the question, how does evangelism testify to the mission of God for the reconciliation of all people? How does evangelism testify to the mission of God for the reconciliation of all people. If you remember, last week we were asked, are we in a posture of maintenance or of mission? Are we just here to gather, to, to just have a small clustered group to protect the, the status quo? Are we involved in the cause of Christ, the mission 
that we are going to make an impact in this world, in our community, with the gospel. To say, whatever it takes to share the truth of God's word, we will do. And we need to see that the message of reconciliation that Christ gave us is a message that cannot stay status quo. It cannot just be a small clustered group, but it must be one that is mobilized. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. God reconciled us to himself through the gospel message and called us into a relationship with him. Really, um, Athanasius said that reconciliation is the incarnation, reconciling mankind to God through Christ becoming flesh, the Son of God taking on the form of flesh, form of man, and living a perfect life. That is reconciliation. He reconciled humanity to himself. He made peace through Christ and called us into a relationship with him. And the ministry of reconciliation is to take that message to others and say, God has made a way for you to be at peace with God, with him. We sin constantly, continually. It affects us. It bogs us down. It it, it messes with the way we think about things. And God says, I've come in to take the shame, to take the guilt to give you freedom, to give you forgiveness, to give you himself through Jesus Christ. If we believe in Jesus Christ, we can have confidence that we are forgiven. This weekend, we were challenged, the kids were challenged to write on a slip of paper the the sin that they struggle with, the one that really bogs them down, that gives them shame and guilt, to put it on a piece of paper. And, And last night they said, take that piece of paper and rip it up, rip it up. And, and I had the opportunity to walk through the aisle and collect those ripped pieces of paper and they put them in my hand and each time they placed it in my hand, I said, you are forgiven. If they believe in Jesus Christ, they were forgiven the sin that they tore up and put it in my hands, I was holding. And then they told me that take that to the cross at the front of the stage and I carried this, this weight these little pieces of paper, and, and I could feel the weight of them because I looked at them and said, this is what burdens my teens. This is what burdens our youth group. This is what prevents them from really experiencing the fullness of joy in Jesus Christ, and it was in my hands. If I could piece that back together, I could see what plagues them. But I have a good idea because I know it plagues me. And I walked all the way across the stadium all the way to the other side where the image of the cross was, and I stood in line behind a bunch of youth pastors who were holding a similar pile. And I walked up to the little cross that was drawn there, and as I let these pieces just slowly fall out of my hands, the only words that I could come to were, thank you, Jesus, because he reconciled me to him. He reconciled us to himself, not by what I've done. It says here that he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God, that you might become the righteousness of God. See, when when Adam and Eve ate that fruit, I ate that fruit. I chose to rebel against God. I chose to be an enemy of God. I chose to stand afar off and choose my own way. Sin is simply this, that I want to do what I want to do. I don't care what God wants. And this is what we were. And God says, I love you too much to let you go that way. And he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come in. And as he did that, as I know this and I see this in my life, he said, Brad, you're my ambassador. He's saying to you, if you know him, you are his ambassador. You are his messenger. Because this message of reconciliation, God, for some reason, has chosen us 
to be the messengers. He says, not only am I going to reconcile you to myself, but I'm going to use you to tell this amazing message to others. And he calls us and he says this in uh, Romans 10, um, 9, and says this, that if, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him shall not be ashamed for there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yet how then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When we talk about communicating his message, we're talking about the ministry of reconciliation, that we must go. How shall they hear? How shall they believe unless we are mobilized to go to our community? We are given the opportunity and the privilege of living here in this community, in Bath, with the school districts that we represent, with the businesses that are represented here, God has said, this is where you will be. Now, minister the message of reconciliation to this. This is what we are called to do. If we think of what, what Jesus said in Matthew, he says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad. As a sheep having no shepherd, he said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. If we look around our community, people are starving for truth. People want to know meaning and purpose for life. They want the cause to come to them. But they don't know where to look. They're looking in drugs. They're looking in alcohol. They're looking in relationships. They're looking for purpose in every other place. But God has says, take the message of reconciliation to them. We were asked and commanded by God to go to them. But I want to encourage you something. We don't go on our own power. We can't go on our own power. If you were like me, I, I was the youngest child. And uh, oftentimes, mom and dad would send me uh, to my siblings and say, Tell them it's time for dinner. Tell your brother to clean the garage or tell them to take out the trash. And, and I would run and tell them and they'd be like, whatever, Brad, you go do it. Who, who are you, Brad? You're just a little guy. And then I'd run back in and say, Mom, Dad, they won't listen to me. And Dad would say, tell them that I said for them to go clean. So I'd run back out and be like, and all of a sudden my voice has changed, my demeanor has changed. Dad says, you need to go do this. And all of a sudden, action happens, right? I mean, if you're a younger sibling, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, well, maybe an older one, you remember the, the process that you went through before you listened to your younger siblings. Or the, the, the point is that the authority structure is in place. When I had my dad's authority, it, it caused an action. It caused a reaction to the voice, when we know that the authority in which we speak from comes from Jesus Christ, we will sound different. We will speak differently. We will go with boldness and confidence because it's not me and it's not you. It's not my message. It's not your message. It's God's message, the Heavenly Father. He says this again in our, in our key text in, in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And then he says this, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. I am with you. He says, I am with you always. And he says, it is his power that has sent us. It is his authority that we're going with. And so as his messenger of reconciliation, if I can remember that what I'm about to say is from God, it is his message. It is his authority. He is the one who saves. I am not. I cannot save anybody. You cannot save anybody. 
But God can. And he says, tell them. Tell them about me. Tell them of what I've done for them. So we must go. We must remember who we serve. We must pursue our friends and our family and our neighbors with this message of reconciliation. To remind them that God has not forgotten about us. God is working. God is doing something. God has done something and he wants to continue it. He wants to invite us into eternal life. Life that begins today in a, in a knowing, a relationship with Jesus Christ. My life verse says this, and this is eternal life, to know the one true God whom you, uh, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. To know the one true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. To know is the Greek word epigonosko. It is an intimate knowledge of. It's where we get the idea of a relationship with God. Intimate knowledge of God. He wants us to know him. He wants us to spend time with him. He wants us to um, communicate with him through prayer, through Bible reading, to getting together in our, in our local churches to worship him together that we might have confidence of who he is and what he's doing. So when we go out, we can communicate his word. And as we communicate the ministry of reconciliation, we must remember that God is, has a plan, a redemptive plan of restoring all things. We see social injustice. We see all the, the natural disasters. We see stuff going on, and oftentimes we lose heart. We think of Haiti and be like, what is going on? Why would God allow this thing? And we have to remember that God is not, not finished yet. He is still working, and he has a plan so our question number two in our handout is, how does the pursuit of social justice along with acts of mercy and service testify to the mission of God for the restoration of all things? If you would like to turn with me to Romans 8, 18 through 24, just a few pages back on to the left. And we need to remember this, that God's purpose first extends to us spiritually, He wants us to have a spiritual relationship with him. Number one primary thing is that you can know God. You can know you're forgiven through the work of Jesus Christ, but also includes the physical. You know, we we, we shouldn't think that when we go out to the restaurant after church today and we sit there and we pray, we talk about God, say that was a great church service, and then we leave a track for a tip and walk away saying, that's going to be great. They're going to accept God because I left the track and you left no tip. They're going to say, those cheap Christians. Man, I hate Sundays because a bunch of Christians come in here, they talk about God, and they leave no tip or they leave a, a small tip. I want to challenge you. If you're out there and you're talking about God, you're talking about church, you're talking about what God's doing in your life, you better represent God well. Be generous because our God is generous. My brother served tables, and that was his commentary. I hate Sundays. He goes, I'll serve so many tables and I'll get nothing after church. And, uh, and when I heard him say that, I said to myself, I will not go anytime I go to a restaurant, but especially on Sundays. And anytime I go and I meet with somebody, we pull out our Bibles, we pray together or whatever, I'm going to make sure that they know that God is generous because he's been generous to me and I want to reflect that. And, and that's one way where the physical and, and the employment here, but if we're going in, on the street... We're walking or we know a neighbor needs something and we just say, well, God, God loves you and don't meet a need. We're not fully showing them God and his grace and his mercy. We must also think of the needs, uh, the physical needs and the spiritual needs. We must communicate his word effectively and, rep- and realizing this, that when physically I'm without or the suffering I must endure at times because of the, the lot in life God has given me, that I must not focus um, and think that this is it, but I must remember that God is more, that God is greater, and God is doing something spiritually and physically. He's working to restore all things. Romans 8, 18 through 24 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation groans and travaileth in pain together until now, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, that is, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for it? When we, when we consider what's going on here is that if you remember back again to the Genesis account, part of the fall was a curse on all creation. Creation has been cursed. The sin has destroyed what we know, and it groans for redemption. It groans for the restoration of all things. We have a promise that God says one day he will create a new heaven, a new earth. It's, he will restore, restore heaven and restore earth to what it was intended to be. He will deliver it. And he says this, that we are the first fruits of the Spirit. We who have heard the message of reconciliation, that we have received Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, our lives ought to be a testimony of the beginning works of the restoration of all things. That the way we respond and communicate to other people, the way we live our lives, the way we don't grumble and complain, but instead glorify and rejoice, the way we are generous to those around us, the way we give our lives to others, is a, is a testimony to all of creation of the restoration of what God is doing, beginning in our lives, that we might draw people, others, to God through the way we live and the way we communicate with them, and that we can remember that God is working, that God says that he is going to restore all things. We need to think when it comes to the, the, the ministry of uh, of so, to minister social justice and acts of mercy, that when we do this, we are, we are going to demonstrate God is working. God has noticed. God has compassion. When, it, when we hear that Jesus saw the crowds and had compassion, you know, compassion oftentimes is, is a tough one to identify. What exactly, what does that mean? It was to take notice of, to see, and to, to want to, to get involved, to look at out. And how often do we we, we go about our busy days and we, we don't look with compassion and we don't take notice of anything else. I have to be here at this time. I have to take care of this. I got to get involved in this. I got all these things and we don't even notice what's going on. I've been guilty of this all the time of how I'm just going about my business and I'll, I'll, maybe an opportunity presents itself and I'll just not even notice exactly what's in front of me and I'll just say uh, a nice little packaged answer that us pastors learn and then we run off and do our other things and later on I come to realize that I totally missed an opportunity to minister the grace of God I totally missed a, a time to speak into this situation the hope of Christ that God is not finished yet he is working he will complete his work and we have to remember that God has a hope for us in the future that he is um, working that he is going to complete it and he has given us a down payment. He has given us something to say, hey, look, I am still working here. If you want to uh, turn a few pages to the right to Ephesians chapter 1, a great, great passage that I, uh, I, I love. I, I've, I've memorized most of this chapter, um, and it really challenges me because uh, it's been, been called the, uh, the checkbook of God, the bank account that he gives his believers. And it says this, in whom, in Christ, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory." We have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. It is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. You know, this passage here, it says if we trusted in Christ, if we placed our faith in Christ, if we believed in him, he has given us the Holy Spirit. He says that it is the earnest of our inheritance, the earnest. It is the engagement ring God gives the body of Christ. He says, I'm giving you my spirit as a promise that I have not forgotten you, that I am coming for you. And, it, and it's, it's the, the word picture is that of a, a groom giving, the groom-to-be, the, the bride-to-be, an engagement ring. 
promising his life with the anticipation of nothing will keep him from that day. Right, Mark? Uh, Nothing will keep him from that day to pursue his bride. Because it is his pledge, his promise. And our God loves us and has given us this pledge and saying, there is a day, it's set aside, I'm coming. Be ready, because I'm coming, because I love you. I'm going to take you to be on myself. This Holy Spirit that he gives us is the power that we have to overcome sin. It is the power that we have to go in and to, to, to speak about, to, to share the ministry of reconciliation through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we do things in our own power, we will fail. But if we commit ourselves to Christ and submit to the Holy Spirit and ask him to go before us and to speak through us and to use us, we will see him work and will give us confidence of the future that he is coming to redeem us, to restore all things. But though we have this promised home in heaven, that this inheritance that's guaranteed by the, the Holy Spirit, that God says, I will not let go, that I will give this to you, he says here that we need to remember that it does not excuse us to get lazy and to just coast. Oftentimes we, we, uh, we want to say, well, you know, I'm okay just living a good life, just uh, to be with my family, just to come to church, to do good things. And, you know, people know I'm different. I don't really have to say anything to anybody else. I can, I can just, just, you know, do my thing. And uh, actually, we were reminded in a, in a very powerful skit that, uh, about this very fact to a young lady in the skit lived her life before her friend. Every day, he knew she was a Christian, but she never communicated the gospel. She never told the story of reconciliation, how God came to this earth as, and wrapped in human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, lived a perfect life, fulfilled the law, went to the cross to pay a debt that he didn't know, that we owed, shed his blood, was buried and rose again from the dead. He did all this because he loved you and, and wants you to be in a relationship with him. And she gets this videotape from hell of him saying, why did you never tell me? I have eternity in hell. And all you would have taken for you to do is tell me. And how often when I saw this video, how many names popped into my head of people I have not yet shared the truth of the reconciliation of God, of Jesus Christ and his love for them, the hope that they can have, the future hope, and yet I get lazy in my own pursuits of evangelism and mission, communicating his word. And in Romans 12, we are told uh, not to get lazy, but to be active. Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to what is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessities of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth with you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy hungers, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink, for in so doing you shall heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Man, in in this short verses, Paul just gives us so many things that we can live out daily. And if you take a list like this and you look at it and you, you examine your life and say, I mean, I look at it, I'm like, man, I'm lazy. I'm not doing this every day. I'm not living this out every time. This is what I need to be like. I need to pursue it. And not not just say, well, my home's in heaven, I'm okay. I got my get-out-of-hell-free card. But no, I have been given a mission. I've been called the ambassador of Christ. I've been given the message of reconciliation And living a life like this is what brings people to Christ. It is what displays his love.
So the question we must ask then, to whom should we evangelize then? Whom, whom should pursue this? If you turn over with me to Acts 1, again, a, a very famous text to, to take a look at um, when it comes to the great cause of Christ. It gives us a great outline of how we ought to live this message, where we need to go, what we should be doing to reach out across cultures, across uh, the, the economic divides, across all these things. It says this, and starting in verse 6, it says, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, where wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of it to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. See here they're coming to Jesus saying, Hey, uh, when is the restoration coming? He says, It's not for you to know when that's going to happen. You just need to know that it is going to happen. That Jesus will return for his bride. That he is coming back. But in the meantime, you are to go to, here, here he says, to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And if we want to take this to our landscape today, right here where we are, our community is our Jerusalem. We need to be active and busy with the ministry of reconciliation right here. And we need to go to our Judea, our state, or, or, or other cities surrounding us. And Samaria, just maybe a, just a little broader, places we really don't like to go to in our nation, and then to the uttermost part of the world, everywhere we go. You know, if we remember that, it's, we are to be his witnesses. Our life should be the witness of Christ to those we come in contact with. As we are going, in our daily affairs, in our business, in our sports, in our, in our recreation, our vacations, wherever we're going, we should be going with the ministry of reconciliation. And we need to start here first. And then here, we, we try to get involved in local outreaches, you know, and the Good News Clubs and, and our, our three schools that are represented here, and Lighthouse of Hope Ministries, you know, and, and the Project Shine right here in Akron. We try to say we are going to get involved in our community. Some of these times we just go and we, we minister through meeting physical needs, for giving uh, gifts at Christmas time for people who can't, won't have anything unless someone else gives. For some of these it is an evangelistic meeting. It is sharing Christ through story. Others, it is going to paint houses and, and, and scrape and paint houses. I'll tell you, on Project Shine, it, it's great. Sometimes I'm just out there washing windows for somebody, and, uh, and I end up in a conversation with the homeowner and just saying how much God loves them. And the reason we have, you know, 10 kids running around this house right now doing crazy stuff is because they love God and they love you. And uh, it's a great way to get involved here locally in our different ministries, in our, in our church. But we're also wanting to expand that we need to go into all the world. And we have people right now, Christians at CLM, and we're having another trip to CLM with Nanette. And then and in the summer, Lord willing, we are going to take our youth group down there and uh, go to Brazil and, and, and share the love of God with others. But we need to be one involved here where we are. We need to reach out to our communities around us, our Judea, and then to the uttermost part of the world. So how do we carry out this mission uh, at, at Lakeside? Actually, I just answered how we communicate that through some of those avenues. And we're looking for more. We have discipleship teams in place. We have evangelism teams in place. We need these teams to, to come together to look at how we can communicate his word. You know, one thing you, you may have noticed, and many have, have brought to attention, at this point we don't have a missions committee. And we will, but the emphasis shouldn't be on, on just missions. It needs to be on the ministry of reconciliation needs to be first on, I identify that I am the mission. I, my life is evangelism. My life is the ministry of reconciliation. I am God's witness. I'm his ambassador wherever I'm at. And if we can get the idea of that, we are joining the cause. We are living our life. We are ministering to those in our geographic area, in our community right here. Then we will impact the rest of the world. And even though we don't have our missions committee developed and set up right now, we will. But let's focus first on what am I doing right now in my sphere of influence? Who are my friends and my family members who don't know Christ? And what am I doing to communicate his message to them? And as we 
do that, we will and see God impact this world through our church. But we need to ask ourselves, what local efforts can I get involved in? What can I do right now? Who are the people in my life? You know, uh, if we were at Dare to Share right now, they would say, get out your cell phone and, uh, and, and start scrolling through and start looking for somebody that you can call. And, uh, and I should have you do that. But I want to tell you, I want you to think of this. Think of your cell phone as your sphere of influence. Most everybody who's important to you, this is one thing they challenge us with. Most everybody who's somewhat important to you is probably in your cell phone. Somebody you know and you care about. And I want you to think of that cell phone every time you pick it up and pray that God will work in the lives of the people you know. Can we commit to just praying for the people in our lives who don't know Christ? That they need to hear the gospel of Christ. They need to hear the ministry of reconciliation, the restoration of all things, that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And we just commit to pray for it. Pray that, that God would provide opportunities. And one thing they, they continue to share with us is that, that we bring God up in conversation. It doesn't have to be you know, a full sermon. doesn't have to be the full gospel every time you talk to a person. But just saying, you know, what do you believe about God? You never know where the conversation is going to go. Don't force on anybody, but ask a question. And if they don't want to listen, they don't have to. They can say, well, I'm not interested in that. And just, but pray for them. Bring God up in conversations. How can we do this? What can we do in our community? How can we make efforts so that people know that here's a church that cares about them? We care about the needs in our community. We care about the people, the families, the schools, the businesses. We care here. What can we do as a, as a church and as an individual to impact that? 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3 says, You are our epistle written on our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared by, to be the epistle of Christ ministered to by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but in fleshly tablets of the heart. Paul's saying this, you are a letter of Christ. You are Christ's gospel written on, on a tablet of a heart, on the flesh of the heart. If you know Jesus Christ, you should be living Christ. Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. As we grow in Christ, as we know Christ more, we will naturally become more like Christ. And we need to let him come in and, and change us. There's a, a wonderful poem, uh, Authors Unknown, it's called The Gospel According to You. It says, there's a wonderful story written in a time long ago. It is the gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The gospels were given to show us the power of God's love divine. May that story be told again in the story of your life and mine. People read and admire the gospel with its love so inspiring and true, but what do they think, say and think of the gospel according to you? We are writing a gospel, a chapter every day, by deeds that we do, by, by the words that we say. We are writing each day a gospel, take care that the writing is true, for the only gospel some will read is the gospel according to you. You may be the only Jesus that some people may encounter. And how are you speaking of Christ through your life? How is your words communicating his, his word? Are you taking full advantage of the time he has given us here? Gypsy Smith was an evangelist who, who would go and preach revival. And what he would do was take a piece of chalk and he would draw a circle on stage and then he would get in that circle and say, God, begin a revival, but start in this circle. Start right here in my life. And if we can get this idea that we love God, and God, I need to confess my sins. I need to, to come before you, and I need to allow you to penetrate my life so that I can have a revival in my heart before I, I try to make everybody else see the truth. I need to see the truth. And when we start here, then we will see God do amazing things. How are you going to get involved in the cause? Are you willing to step in that circle and say, God, begin right here. Change me. Help me have the boldness to share with my friends. Help me pray for my friends who don't know Christ, my family members who don't know Christ. How can I communicate his word? And as we do this, as we love God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, as we care for the peoples of this church, become an authentic community, encourage one another, build in, speak into each other, we will see a natural outflow of communicating his word come from 
what God's doing here. We will see God work. And we will see him awaken us and quicken us to, to be excited to share. And sometimes, you know, even as I've forgotten the excitement that I had as a young child and just wanting to chase my friend up a tree. You know, but I was excited. I was passionate about that. You know, maybe we forget that, that excitement and passion we first had. God, help me communicate your word. Help me live this out. Help me be your witness because I'm the only person some people will ever meet that can tell them. Today, I'd like to ask you if you, if you really, you know, I want to ask you to kneel with me in prayer, but I want you to think about this. When we kneel, we kneel and surrender to God, saying, God, I'm offering you myself to be your message, to be your witness, to communicate your word. And so as we kneel and pray, may we, may we consider this fact that I'm kneeling in submission to God. And if it's not what you want to do, that's fine. Don't, you don't have to kneel. This is just purely voluntary. But say, God, I'm kneeling to do, to, before you today because I want my life to be a testimony to those around me of your ministry of reconciliation, the restoration plans that you have for us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you again just uh, asking you, Lord, to convict our hearts of sin. Lord, that we have let creep in and distract us from your cause, your message. Lord, that you have called us to the highest cause to share the ministry of reconciliation with this world. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that we can have a desire to speak your truth, that we can be your witnesses, Lord, that we can reach out to this community, Lord, uh, to our family, to our friends, Lord, that they might hear the good news, that we can build your kingdom, Lord, that nobody we know can, can claim one day that nobody told me this truth. Lord, incite a, a passion and a fire, Lord. Maybe in our minds draw a circle around ourselves, say, Lord, begin a revival right here, Lord, that we might have a holy fire and a desire to communicate your word. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you that you have called us to a vision that is based on your word. Lord, to love you with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, Lord, to care for the, the church that you have given us, Lord, our neighbor as, our, as ourselves, Lord, and to communicate your word by obeying the, the cause of Christ. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.